to the Gain and Retain 365 podcast, where our goal is to motivate and educate aspiring entrepreneurs on how to get started. Today, we have the pleasure of speaking with Nate Williams. How you doing today, brother? Man, I'm blessed, brother. I'm blessed. It's blessed to be here. Seriously. Pleasure to have you, man. Okay, okay. Yeah. I'm good, man. So let's let's get, let's let's dive into it. I'm ready for sure you, for to sure. motivate. I'm ready to do everything. Let's go. Man, I appreciate that, man. So hey, how long you been in the comedy? Um, stand up. I've been a part of stand up for 14 years now. Um, man, just working and grinding and uh, chasing what God called me to do. And that's it, man. 14 years. 14. Man, so you've had your share of experience, man. The ups, the downs. Oh, yeah. Ups, downs, um, good days, bad days, bad sets. Okay. I tell people that all the time. You have bad sets, man. I don't care how long you've been doing stand-up. You're going to have bad sets. So you have bad ones and uh, a bunch of great stories as well, a bunch of great stories. We're we going to get into those too. Most definitely. Let me ask you this, Nate. What pushed you towards that path? What got you started in comedy? Uh, man, getting fired. Yes. I, I, <laughs> I got fired from so many jobs. I was like, Lord, you gotta, it got to be something. And... Uh, Man, uh, then I went through a horrible divorce. That's what really got me started. And I went uh, through a down spiral of depression. Okay. And, uh, man, uh, I had an audition for a play, and I was like, I'm going to go audition for the play. And I got the leading role. And uh, and some people don't know that I have uh, dyslexia. So when they gave me the script, I was reading the words all scrambled. And my my way of getting out of it was always to make people laugh. Okay. So the producer of the play, one day I was just clowning at rehearsal. And uh, she was like, hey, can you meet me in the office? I go back there and she was like, have you ever tried stand-up? And I was like, no, ma'am. She was like, I think you need to get into stand-up. And me being a country boy, I thought... Um, comedy clubs were like in LA and Atlanta and I didn't think that they were here and man I found out it was one here became an audience member and fell in love with it wow yeah wow so first first starting out man jumping off the porch mm -hmm. how, how was it the first time you got in front of a crowd Ooh, the first time um, performing, it was bad. It was horrible. I was like, I'm never doing this again. Really? I remember performing. It went so bad. I was like, you know what? I thought I was funny. I'm leaving. This is it. And, uh, man, um, I went out on the balcony at the uh, comedy club, and the comics were like, keep coming back. You know, you'll get better. I was like, nah, I'm done. But they convinced me to come back. I went back for four weeks straight okay. and bombed all four times. I was like, you know what, I'm done. So I stepped away from it for about a year, and something kept calling me back to it, and I went back and got better. So before you went back, did you um, did you do your homework, man? Did you do your research? Did you do some studying? How, how did you prepare yourself for returning back to the scene? No, not really. I just, really? I just started watching stand-up, and I was like, okay, I was learning the styles. You got different styles. You got storytellers. You got people that... Uh, with quick snaps, you got, it was, but um, it was a comedian, it was two comedians, Kevin Hart and Little Rail. Kevin Hart isn't my favorite comedian, but I saw that he took his life and talked about his life as kids, you know, things that he knew. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was like, okay, I can do that. And then Little Rail was good with his facial expression, his sound, his voice, and his storytelling about his life. And that became the best material. Okay. Because yeah, at first I was telling stuff I thought people wanted to hear. I right. was like, ah, and it was horrible. But those two, they kind of opened my eyes and my mind up to say, it's okay to talk about your life on stage and people can relate. Because if I'm not mistaken, wasn't one of Kevin Hart's laughing my pain? Mm hmm So with you being uh, completely transparent and talking mm -hmm. about having dyslexia or mm -hmm. whatever, uh, you know, flaws you may have as an individual, then it's certain people that can relate, and then some people may find humor, humor in it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, man. Um, I think Laugh at My Pain was a good one. Um, 
seriously funny. All of Kevin Hart's specials are basically surrounding his life, his flaws. Um, where he failed that, it also became a learning lesson and a blessing in disguise because he was able to take it on stage. Yes, sir. He was like, I'm going to put my problems out before anybody else does. Right, right, so right. Now Let me you beat have, you to the punch. Yeah, so now you have nowhere to go. <laughs> so I think by him, that was the smartest thing. And just far as him being business savvy, he's like at the top of the list. Like he knows how to get in a room with individuals that don't look like us and make them want to be a part of everything he has going on. And I think that's the power of just being able to to speak from the heart because what's from the heart reaches the heart. True. We know that. So um, I think that's why I I follow his blueprint in life. And I'm just trying to, I'm just waiting on my opportunity to get there. Man. Yeah, man. Man, keep knocking at the door. It's going to open. Okay. What What else were you able to take from Kevin's blueprint and implementing your own routine? Um, I think it was okay. Like, even me going through my divorce um, and the way that it, it trickled down, it really wasn't. I, 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 I was bitter in the beginning, I think, because of the way things were down. Because I'm like, I think I did everything right. And, you know, God, why did, you know, she step away from our marriage? Why did things go this way? Why wasn't I ready? I thought that I was ready. So when I took those things, I just I started watching Kevin. I'm like, he took all of his problems and put it on stage. So. I was like, okay, this can be funny. Right. So I found a way to flip my pain and make it funny. And people can relate because people can relate to being cheated on. People can relate to having bad relationships or marriages not working. Or But, Nate, that's a courageous act, man. Yeah. That is. Yeah, man. So I, I put it on stage, man, and it worked. So I was like, okay, this is what people want to hear. They want to hear the truth. Right. So I started letting them have it, and... Um, my stories became more relatable. I was able to tell stand-up without offending anybody, without making them feel like, oh, I don't want to sit on the front row. Now they like, Nate's performing. I need to sit up front because I'm not bashing anybody. It's all the stuff, all the stories and my jokes are about my life. So mm-hmm. people want to be up close in person with okay. it. So, yeah. Okay. Hey, man. So you, you started out, man. Things went terribly bad. We yeah. took about a year hiatus, right? Mm-hmm. Came back. And you said um, you went at it four weeks straight. It was bad. It was and it was bad. Mm-hmm. So okay, in between that time, how how long did it take before you started to get better and you started to get some applause and you know people was you know rooting for you, getting some good chuckles, you know? Uh, man, I remember going to the Looney Bean Comedy Club. Shout out to the Looney Bean Comedy Club because that that started my career and. Um, it was a guy that worked there, the security guard and slash uh, manager. And he just, he knew I had something. He was like, man, there's something about you. You know, keep coming. But he kept pushing me like, man, keep getting better. And, uh, man, um, every Wednesday they had open mic. Um, and he was like, man, just keep coming back. Keep coming back. I promise you. And he said, just give me five minutes of material. And if you're doing stand-up for the first time, five minutes seems like an hour. So you like, okay. And, and he talked me through it. And, man, I started piecing together five-minute bits that was killing. Okay. And he was like, man, I think I'm going to give you an opportunity. And he flipped over the paper. He was like, you know this comedian? And it was Tommy Davidson from In Living Color. So he was like, I want you to host for him. And, man, when I host for him and me and him went out to the side and we talked and we was able to talk about my set because we did two shows. You so, and Tommy were able to talk? Yeah, we were able to talk. So, um, man, we talked, and he talked me through my set, like, man, do this, do this. And then when you get around experienced comedians, they started telling you, add this, take this out, do this. And you started piecing it together and it started working. It was like a puzzle. Right. And all the pieces came together, and now you got this big big thing that's you like, okay, I see it now. I see it clearly. Right. It's like the Matrix. When uh, Neo, he couldn't understand the... Things on the screen, but eventually he was able to see it and notice everything. So now I just see see clearly. What what other, uh, other gems were you able to 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 get from uh, Tommy during that time? Uh, man, be be courageous on stage. Know that you're there for a reason. Understand that 
you know, if this is something that you're called, see, it's, it's different when you're called to do something and you're just doing something just to be doing it. And he was like, you got to feel like you're called to do this. You got to understand that God, call, God calls everybody. So me, I'm, I'm, I'm truly in my Bible. I'm truly in my word. I never, I tell people that all the time. Without God, I'm nothing. Um, and I'm not ashamed of that. Some comics don't talk about it because some people won't book us um, because we talk too much about God. They won't even book us. But um, he let me know that, yo, if this is your purpose, if this is what you feel like God is called to do, when you step on the stage, you got to feel it. You got to know it. Not try to be the funniest in the room, but just do what God called you to do. And that's what I started doing. I started adding God to it and everything. And then when I met Chris Tucker and he came out and he performed and I'm sitting in the back in the green room with him, talking to him. We just talking. And uh, they called him to the stage and I walked him to the door and I waited. And when he went out, I, I, I was like, man, I got to have that response. So I told God, I said, listen, if you can give me that, I'm going to be happy. And God said, if you do it for me, I prayed about it. Wow. God said, if you do it for me, I'm going to give you everything. And, man, that was, God, what year was that? I can't even think of the year. But whatever year it was, I gave my life to God and my career to God. And, man, it's just now since then, I've opened for over 60 celebrities. Really? And bring them to the bring them to the rock, and I produce shows now my own on my own. That's that's powerful, man. So you giving God all the glory, all the Definitely. praise, and He opened so many doors of opportunity Definitely. for you, yep. man. So you said when you seen the response that Chris Tucker received from that crowd, you just had to have that. You had to, had to, because I've seen stand up on TV, right? And was like, ah, okay. But being there in the audience, able to open up for these people like Bill Bellamy who was the first comedian to perform on Def Comedy Jam when I was a kid, when I wasn't even supposed to be watching Def Comedy Jam. I'm sneaking in the living room. Mom, I'm like, Mom, sleep. Let me watch. Def Comedy Jam is coming on late, midnight. I'm watching it, and here it is. I'm sharing the stage with these people. Bill Bellamy, Earthquake, LaBelle Crawford, um, man, Tommy Davidson, Kale Mitchell. Man, I can go on and on with all the people that I've held conversations with and spoke with. And, you know, so now I'm like in that category now, because now when I go to L.A., people know who I am. When I go to Atlanta, people know who I am. When I go to Vegas, people know who I am. Go to New York, people know who I am. So I love it. Let me ask you this, Nate. So if you were able to combine everything that you were able to take from those individuals you mentioned, mm -hmm. what's one thing in common that they always told you, something that you always hear? Because they say everybody's not te telling the same lie. Um, I think it's more of if comedy is your calling, get as much stage time as possible. That's the only way you're going to get better. That's the only way you're going to build your confidence. That's the only way you're going to build the proper material for any occasion is you have to get stage time. So I tell comedians that all the time that come to me because you got to understand I own my own comedy club. So um, and I perform. So we get, we got all that in one. Um, so comedians come to me all the time. Nate, I want to open for such and such. But this person, what do I need to do? Stage time. You can't get better without performing. So it's like if I want to be a bodybuilder, I can't work out once a month. Right. And be like, hey, I'm going to be a professional in a year. No, it don't work like that. So get your, get your reps in. Got to get your reps. Get your reps in. Okay, so you mentioned you own your own comedy club. How, how long have you been, been the owner? Uh, I've been an owner now for three years. This month, okay, three years. Uh, me and my mom, um, the Nut House Comedy Lounge, which is the first black-owned comedy club in North Little Rock. Yeah, that's one hundred percent owned yes, by me and my mom. So, man, how is that, man? Being in business with mom, how is it? Uh, at first, I thought it. It, it she kind of fell into it though. So, me, um, I had my cousin cooking. And my mom is a fantastic cook because we sell out of food all the time on Fridays. So um, my mom, my cousin, she just got busy and like, I can't do it. My mom was like, I'm going to come cook. And I didn't want her to do it because she's retired. And my mom is a cancer survivor. So I was like, Mom, just relax. And she came in there and started cooking. And she was like, what all you want on the menu? I was like, let's keep it simple. 
Let's do chicken. Let's do all different flavors of that. Let's do filet of fish because most comedy clubs don't have that. And barbecue brisket. Let's do people, you know, the meats. And we kept it simple with four things. Barbecue brisket, loaded baked potatoes with that, or nachos, or sandwiches, chicken, filet of fish, not, uh, and nachos. Kept it simple. And that works. So. Right. People come in now, I want mama fish. They love my mom's fish. Straight up. So she sells out, man. So my mom was like, so she's been doing it now, cooking. Been there three years, maybe a year and a half. Okay. Yeah, man. So it's safe to say it's working out good. Oh, yeah, definitely. Definitely. My mom loves it. Man, that's amazing. So, Nate, how, how do you go about the uh, the marketing and advertisement? What do you do to keep the, keep the club jumping, man? How you gain gain the audience? I think it's more of consistency of, you know, performing outside of the club as well and letting people know. And uh, when we bring celebrities in, um, that kind of draws people's attention. And being close to the people, you know, your fans, your supporters, letting them know. And, and, and knowing them on a first-name basis is, is very powerful. So, like, when people come in and you know them, hey, Tamika, thanks. Hey, thanks for coming back. And they like, dang, you remember my name? Like, Man. yeah. So you just and keep calling them by name, and now they feel like they're a part of the club. Man, it's something. Let me chime in on that, man. It's, uh, like, the most important name to you is Nate. Mm-hmm. That's the most important name to you. Definitely. And I'm going to be honest, whenever you hear your name, you know what I'm saying, your, your antennas go up, that's your name. And mm-hmm. when somebody addresses you by your name, they got, they got your attention. Definitely. So it's something to be said about that, but you, you carry on. Yeah, so uh, knowing them like that and uh, also me, I'm a people's person. Like I love people. I I invest in people. That's what I say. I invest in friendships. And so when people come into the club, sometimes like they may not know it, but they might come in and pay and I might be like, hey, come to the bar for a free drink. They might, what? Yeah, come on over here. And that goes a long way. Like they paid to come in, but... Sometimes we can bless them. Right, right. Hey, y'all always support my mom. Hey, you know, buy three meals. Your fourth one is free. Um, so we we make them feel like, and people, I love it because people never know when I'm going to do it. So um, I think, man, making people feel like they're a part of the club, making them feel special. Um, even when people come in, that's your normals. Hey, we got you a special seat, so don't sit over here. We got you over here. And just... Making them feel special, man. That that goes a long way, and the marketing part is just tough because, um, man, uh, radio is not cheap here, by far to get on the mainstream. So, I think word of mouth. Uh, uh, I tell people you gotta be foot soldiers for your business. You gotta get out here and uh, grind and get it, and uh, man, be honest with people. I think that's the best thing. If they're spending money with you, be honest. Um, so I always try to be honest with everybody and make them feel wanted. Okay. And I think that's the key. Okay. I like that, man. It's one thing that stood out the most to me was the, um, the random acts of kindness, maybe mm-hmm. giving them a free drink after they pay an entry free or mm-hmm. after they buy three meals, you give them a fourth one for free or mm-hmm. upgrade them to a VIP seat. That type of mm-hmm. stuff, it stands out. Mm-hmm. It stands out. So it makes them feel appreciated. Definitely. And that, that'll make them come back. Definitely. Yeah. That's how Definitely. you get that, that repeat, get the get the retention rate up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um so you, you own the club and you still perform. Am I am I correct? <laughs> yeah. Okay. How does that go, man? How do you balance that? I think us not being a typical comedy club is basically what stands out. Your typical comedy clubs run Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And some Sundays, but our club, I'm we we built a Friday night laughter, which everybody came accustomed to. Like, listen, Fridays is it. You go your whole week. Like, we can do comedy on Wednesday, Thursdays, Fridays, and Saturdays, but like, it's, it can be such a headache. Like, you got sometimes you got to fly the artist in, make sure they straight, and stuff like that. So, I built our Friday nights with our locals. And where their typical open mics are during the week, but I'm like, no, our open mic is on a Friday, so they love that idea. They like a Friday night open mic, right, like that's right. great. So we tell them to come in, get their material right, and they come in. Sometimes people rent, or we bring in celebrities that work on their Friday. So 
but um, I think just building that Friday and some Saturdays is kind of it's working. Like next year, we're gonna go to Fridays and Saturdays, or Thursdays and Fridays. Like we're gonna do something like to build it, but I think that's the uh, that's it. That Friday is kind of. Does it, We're does, not it typical. does it ever become overwhelming having to run the club and perform at the club? Uh, sometimes it can be because uh, sometimes I get booked on the days that we're open. Okay. So I got to leave and I got to trust my mom, my aunt, my cousins. Hey, y'all run everything. And sometimes I turn down shows too. So I turn down shows and be like, nah, I got our Friday night. I, I need to be there. Uh, but sometimes if they're, if they're paying and the money's right, I'm like, Mom, y'all got it. Right. You know, uh, she'd be like, yeah, baby, go. And I go, go do my thing, and I'll come straight back if it's in state. But, um, yeah, it happens, man. It's, it's, it can be it can be challenging. Okay. Yeah. So getting started, man, I know you named a few, but um, who are some of the comedians that you look to coming up as far as uh, you may have looked at them as a mentor? Uh, all of my favorite comics come out of Chicago. I really? tell people that all the time. Uh, D. Ray Davis. Okay. Uh, was the first comic that I felt that I can relate to. I, his storylines, his stories, everything was just on point. Uh, uh, D-Ray is more of, his material is a lot about relationships. I think that's maybe because he may have been heartbroken growing up or something because his, his ideas and the way that he speaks about relationships are on point. So I'm like, let me pay attention to that. So I started relating relationship advice and making it funny. Uh, Corey Holcomb, another great comedian, but he's raw, edgy. Um, so he's honest and funny, and I like his style. I, I had him at the club before, and Little Rail Harry, Howry uh, is hilarious in a lot of movies. Um, I love his storylines, and um, and those three out of Chicago, and Deion Cole, I like him as well. All of those are out of Chicago, so those were the guys that I started watching to make me feel like, yo, I can do this. So, yeah, those guys. Do you still look to them to, to, oh, to this yeah. day? Lil Rail is one of my favorites. I actually met him in uh, Atlanta. And D. Ray Davis, I met him. Corey Holcomb, I met him. The only person I haven't met is... Uh, Dion Cole, but I think it'll happen. But those three are people I can just watch their stand up and just sit back and just learn. And it's a different than taking people's material and learning. Like I learn the way they hold a mic, the way they tell their stories, the facial expressions, the way they move back and forth on stage. Like I pay attention to all that. Every detail. Every detail. Yeah. Wow. Mm -hmm. Have you uh, have you had any opportunities to do any any movies? I know you. Uh, yeah, my friend, uh, C. James Humphrey, um, we got to get him married too. So C. James Humphrey, uh, produced his very own film called Nice Guys Finish Last. And because my schedule was so busy, he was like, man, I got you a role in there. It's small, but, and I, because he's my friend, my best friend, I was like, yo, um, I'm willing to do it. And, you know, they had a movie premiere. It went over great. And, uh, I actually shot my own stand-up comedy film called um, I'm Almost Somebody, which was a Christian-based stand-up uh, where it was two parts in the film where it was a 30-minute play where I played a character called Reverend Do No Wrong. Um, and it was it was comical. And uh, the name of my church was New St. Believers on Christ, the solid rock I stand, watched in the blood of the Lamb, redeemed and made whole, and never broken, missionary Baptist church. <laughs> but we don't give 10%, but 20 uh, so we can receive a double blessing. And uh, he was just a, a, a witty pastor that he didn't have his own church. I, we, I created the character, and he he rented out other churches, and his members followed him. They was faithful to him. Like, wherever you go, to, to you know, we come to hear the word. So I put that skit together, um, that a miniature play, and then we took an intermission, and then I came out and gave him 30 minutes of clean stand-up. So I sold that out, 700 seats, Whoa. filmed it live, filmed it live at on the campus of Euler. Okay. Um, and I delivered over 90% of those tickets. 
I was calling people like, yo, you want some tickets? I was meeting people everywhere. I delivered over 500 tickets. That's grind. To people. That's the grind. And man, man. Uh, and, and performed and stuff like that. So that was a film. Uh, so those are the two films that I've been a part of. I've been asked to be a part of more, but I, I just don't have the time. I'd be so busy. I'd just be like, if I can do it, I'll do it. But sometimes it don't happen. Man, so filling, filling the house with 700, filling 700 seats, right? Mm-hmm. And hand delivering over 500 tickets. Mm-hmm. Man, what, what, what motivates that, man? What? Man, I, I just wanted people, I think it's, it's, it's God, brother. I think it's, um, I think hand to hand combat, that's what I tell, that's what I call it. Hand to hand combat, when you're able to reach the people that's spending money with you and you're willing to go the extra mile for them. For a ten or fifteen dollar ticket, I'm not charging you shipping or handling fees or nothing. I'm Here just bringing go. the ticket to you, no matter where you are. Conway, I deliver tickets to Conway, Pine Bluff, Arkadelphia. Um, I met one lady halfway from Memphis. Um, man, I went far and beyond, and I think it goes back to being. It's everything that I do. I think is biblical. So you got to think when Jesus was around saving people or whatever, they didn't have social media. Only thing they had was the word of mouth. Like, hey, y'all need to check this out. And I started to put that into my my everyday life. Like I would say something about it on social media. Hey, I'm coming here. Here's my number. And man, people were calling like, hey, if you can come here, I'm taking pictures with everybody. Everybody bought tickets. And I think that showed people like, listen, even when I wasn't around, he was like, hey, we're going to see this guy named Nate. Girl, tell me about him. And those people started speaking. Mm-hmm. Now imagine, Jesus went out, you know, he couldn't always be everywhere, but his followers and people that believed in him were spreading the word, like his disciples. So those people became my friends. They became people that could speak for me. And they was like, hey, this guy Nate, man, y'all need to, we need to go see him. Mm-hmm. Where is he performing? So they became my commercials, my advertising. And other people was like, hey, I need five more tickets. I just told my homegirl. I was like, all right, I'll be there Friday. Turn around, go back, and do whatever I had to do. And I just, I loved it, man. I was like, man. Man, so three things out of what you just told me, man. So you were being of service. Mm-hmm. You were going above and beyond to mm-hmm. be of service. Mm-hmm. And out of that alone, you created word of mouth. Mm-hmm. And they began to talk about, hey man, Nate, he just delivered me some tickets. He got a comedy show coming up. You, you need to get some. Mm-hmm. Just you going that extra mile, man, it created created a buzz, and you mm-hmm. got you got a return on your investment. Am I correct? Definitely, definitely. And I spent my own money on that whole production, man. You got to think, man. I spent two thousand on the the building, the tickets. I paid for the tickets to be. Uh, Created, delivered them. You got to think of the gas money. Right, right. You know, putting in, and I, I didn't care. I was like, yo, this is what I want to do. Because you invested in yourself. Mm-hmm. So I made that back. I made all, everything I spent, I made it back. So I was like, okay, God, I, I, I see you. And we did it and kept doing sold out shows and sold out shows and sold out shows. So that's how it happened. Wow. So at this at this moment, you guys only open on Friday. We're only open on Fridays. I mean, we have a lot of a lot of other things that we could be doing, but I'm trying to give my mom a break because, you know, she's working a little bit and doing stuff, so I don't want to overwhelm her. But I'm telling my mom, like, listen, in 2022, we got to step it up. Yeah. Friday like, every year we got to go another level. So this year, we was, then you know, got to think we was going through a pandemic too. Right. And still kind of... Man, how, how did you... How did you maintain during that? Like, did you go, uh, did you go virtual with your company? What, what methods uh, did you use? I got booked for a couple of virtual shows, but when we had to close for a few months, I think we closed for like three months, three or four months when in the beginning. Right. Uh, when the pandemic happened, but then when they kind of opened everything back up, um, people wanted to get out. They were so trapped in the house, and that's how we built it. Up. It was like, listen, Friday come out. And, man, next thing you know, we were doing, we weren't a lot of seats. I mean, we, we hold 110, but we were probably getting like 10 people, you know, on a Friday. 
then it went from 15, then it went to 50, then it went to 75, and it, it just kept going up. And then I just started bringing in some celebrities, like Hattie Mae from Tyler Perry and um, Carl Payne from Martin. And people were starting to believe again. Like, listen, it's okay. We we going out. We having a good time. Right. And then people, they kept coming. So so they were a little timid coming back mm-hmm. from COVID. Oh, yeah. Which is to be expected. Mm-hmm. Yeah. mm-hmm. But you back to full capacity at this moment? Yeah, we can get them in there. We, them I in. mean, Fridays, we, we fair on Fridays. So Fridays, we are... We do like forty, forty-five at the most, but you know. depends on depends on who who's coming. Depends right? on who there, yeah. Okay, so you try yeah. to do a special guest once a month, or how often you? Bring yeah, them? I try to bring in a celebrity once a month. Sometimes it doesn't happen because their schedule doesn't match with ours. But um, at least once a month or once every two months, we try to bring in some celebrities to get some stuff going. Okay, that's what's up, man. What any anyone special coming soon? Um. No, not really. Uh, I just know I'm doing the uh, homecoming for Arkansas Baptist College. Um, that's where I graduated from in 2014. And we got some cast members from Wildin' Out that's coming in from that. Because I know majority of the guys on Wildin' Out um, or work with them. So um, just that, September the 17th. And after that, we got a, I got a huge announcement that I'm making in October. Um, and I'm just, um, I've been saving all my coins, my ducats for that huge announcement, and it's actually about to happen. So okay. I'm excited about it. There's okay. been an eight-year planning, and wow. it's finally about to happen. Hey, y'all stay tuned for that one. Oh yeah, it's for gonna sure. be big for sure. Man, um, do you do you take on any uh, mentees and mentor them as far as in the comedy industry? Oh yeah, it's so it's a lot of people that come to the comedy club and want to get mentored. But here's the thing. They got to understand criticism and you got to be able to be able to be critiqued. And a lot of people don't like that. So they, Oh, I'm already funny. Okay. I tell you what you do. You, it'll be fine. Cause I'm real. Cause comedy, I'm so serious about it. So I try to work with people as much as possible. But once you get that, that in your mind, like I've, I'm already funny. Man, I I just let them be, cause I'm like, dude, I've been where you you are. Right. Like, I've never acted like that. Hey, I'm always. What do I need to do? Even now, when I meet older comedians, I mean, comedians that's been in the game a long time, longer than me, or done TV or movies. What do I need to do? Right, right. And it's okay if they might be like, don't do that, don't do this, don't do that. And I've been doing. I'm like, okay, I need to take that out. But some people they can't they can't handle. They want yes men. That's not. That's not for the comedy industry. I mean, no, no. You and gotta you got to have tough skin. You do, and you got to remain humble and 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 continue to learn. Anyone can teach, man. You never too, what they say. You never too old to teach. You never too young. No, you never too young to teach. You never too old to learn. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. yeah. So I mean, every day we should be learning something, no matter who who you're receiving it from. Definitely, you speaking facts, bro. You speak it fast. But like you said, though, man, it takes tough skin. Everyone's not able to take uh, criticism, even if it's constructive criticism, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, sometimes, like, man, I'm already funny. Like, yeah. What you talking about? I might, they might think they're funnier than you. Yeah, you I know? get that. I get that. <laughs> I just relax, man. You just relax. Like, when people come in, I'm, I'm the funniest in Arkansas. I'm the funniest. Hey, okay. Cool. Really? You know, hey. So is it a very competitive industry? I think so because I think everybody wants to be on top. Everybody wants to be that guy. I, I don't have to be that guy. I just want to be mentioned in the top few. But, you know, I just won Arkansas Comedian of the Year, too. Congratulations. From Arkansas Times. And, you know, I didn't expect to win that because I've usually would call them and say, take my name off the list. But because I, I felt like it was, it wasn't based on what a person has done. It was based on hey, let me get some people to come over here and vote. It wasn't based on what people have done. I'm like, honestly, let's look at it closely. Who has brought, who has done most of what I've done for the city lately? We're just talking about stand-up. And so that's what made me want to take my name off the list. But my mom was like, no, I'll leave it on there. Let's see what happens. And I end up winning. Congrats, man. Mm -hmm. Congrats. So, uh, obviously, you're not seeking validation oh, no. with the comedy industry. It's mm-hmm. more 
to see see someone smile, make someone laugh. Yeah, because that's that's the key. I mean, laughter does the heart good like a medicine. Say that. Everything. Say, say that, brother. Everything that we say, everything that I do, I, I always go back to the Bible, go back to the Word, because somehow all of it is related. Everything that we do in life is related. You know, I started a business and got that started so people can come and uh, forget about work, forget about their troubles. So then, you know, people would call, hey, what do I need to wear? God said, come as you are. <laughs> don't worry about what you got on, just come. Some people, hey, I don't have the money. Don't worry about it. God paid for it all in full. So if you don't have the money, you know, I mean, I'm not going to let you do it every week. But, right. but if something moves in me, and I know it's coming from a, a real place. Like I said, what's from the heart reaches the heart. Hey, I know you don't have the money to come because you might need to hear something here that might save you. Right. Then they, they come. Um, so my comedy club is basically, my comedy club, my life, my comedy is basically built around God and what he want me to do. And, you know, I pray in my building. We have church in my building. Uh, we have, um, you know, we've, We've been able to raise money for people that's unfortunate in my building. We've been able to bless 300 kids with toys for Christmas Wow! in my building. We've been able to do all of that and raise money for people that have foundations. We just sent, uh, raised money to send kids to summer camps that, that was unfortunate. Um, now we're going to do another fundraiser uh, next Saturday for for people that's unfortunate. Like, I don't I don't mind it. No, because I feel like that's what God, because only what you do for God is going to last. So I'm just like, listen, God, if you put this on my heart, let me do it. But you need to be in the midst of it. That's amazing. So that's how I work. That's how I operate. That's amazing, man. So you you building or have built a platform, man. You're able to do multiple things with it, man. You're able to give mm -hmm. um, upcoming comedians an opportunity to, opportunity to come ex express themselves. Mm -hmm. Um you you give you give your patron, uh, patrons uh, opportunity to come and just laugh and have a good time, mm -hmm. you know what I mean. And you giving back to the community by charitable acts. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean that's that's amazing, man. You are using that one platform to do so many different things. That one platform, and that's what we want to do. We want to set it up where that's a historical landmark. We want that's what I want to do. I want to set it up. I'm trying to get the name, the street changed. I think it's Phillips Road. That's what it is. I'm talking about. I think. It's Phillips Road. And I'm trying to get it in the, the street changed to my name. Okay. So I'm working hard trying to get that little road turned to Nate Nate Williams Avenue or something. So, um, but, you know, you got to put your mark down, man. I'm just trying to do my part. If God say, hey, this is what you're supposed to do, man, this is what you're supposed to do. And I go far and beyond for it and do it and pray. Sit in my car sometimes, pray. And, Man, give give the God the glory. Sometimes I pull up in my building and start crying because I'm like, man, look 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 at how far we came. We survived the pandemic. Right, right. Look at all the buildings that have passed that you have passed that used to be open that was making hundred thousand dollars a month. Now they, they police. Closed. Yeah, yeah. So I'm like, God, we still open. We still hanging around. So God is powerful, man. Let me, if he for you, he for you. Let me ask you this, Nate. So. Um, Let's touch on some of the trials and tribulations Ooh, that you faced yeah. faced early on, man. Besides, you know, being humiliated in the beginning with your comedy, but just trials and tribulations, getting your foot into the door, getting your club started. What were some of the things that really, really hurt that you were able to get over that hurdle? Uh, I think expecting the people to support you that you thought would support Say you. Say that, man. That Say is that. the biggest thing, man. Say I that. promise you. I was like, I'm open the door, man. People gonna come. Near and far, they gonna come. Man, listen, we open them doors. People weren't supporting us. They weren't coming through them doors. They weren't doing nothing. And I'm like, I remember crying one night. We opened the doors on a Friday. Man, I think it was four people. No comedians came. Nothing. And man, I was at the bar. And my mom came. Cause I think we were supposed to start the show like at nine. I think at this point I'm like, no, nah, people gonna come. It was like nine thirty, then nine forty-five, ten o'clock. People still sitting there. They ain't even leaving. So 
my mom came over to the bar. She was like, baby, you're going to have to perform. And don't worry about people not being here. They still deserve, those four people still deserve a full show. Yes, sir. And, man, I was like, yes, ma'am. I went out there, performed for an hour, made them feel special. They left. And, man, after that, I went to the bar. I just cried. I'm like, man, these people do not support. But I kept going. And now people, oh, we're trying to come Friday performing. It seems like every Friday we get new people. God just, I'm like, God, instead of bringing these people out here, I'm like, there's days I'm like, man, ain't nobody coming. And all of a sudden, 50, 60 people come to the door in 10 minutes. Because God will make you fisher of men. Very so good. when I started fishing, like, I was like, God, just show me. And next thing you know, people started coming, man. Like, I don't know where they was coming from. Like, people just come. But I'm glad you touched on that. And you said that the people that you thought were going to support you, mm -hmm. they didn't. Even if you were pertaining to family and friends, mm -hmm. some people didn't support that you thought would. Yeah, family too. Yeah. I mean, I mean, if you look at, if it's in the New Testament, man, the book of Mark, if I'm not mistaken, it said when Jesus returned to his hometown of Nazareth, Mm -hmm. They questioned his credibility. Yeah. And then they, they said something to the words of, isn't this the son of a carpenter? Mm-hmm. See, now you now you're going biblical, which is good. I love I love Bible talk. I promise you I love it. But you know, the Bible also lets us know that, you know, even prophets weren't even respected in their own hometown. That's it. So That's when it. they went yeah. out and saved lives and healed people and did everything outside of town, you know, the word got back. And that's why you see a lot of people that want the support from their hometown, then they leave. And they get it from somewhere, somewhere else. else. And yeah. then they turn their hometown into believers. Yep. Yeah. So that's how it is, man. Yeah. So it ain't nothing new under the sun. It's nothing been going new. on. If so Jesus people, had to All this stuff it. is biblical, bro. Right, yeah. All this stuff is biblical. Yo. So yeah, man. That's what it is, man. I love it. I love it. That's what's up, man. So um, you got past those hurdles, man. Mm -hmm. Kept it kept it moving. Stayed, stayed focused. Kept grinding, right? Mm -hmm. You finally got a breakthrough. Mm-hmm. Finally got a breakthrough. What what pushed you to open in the club? I didn't get that. Didn't get that oh, exact man. answer. What pushed you to open in the club? Man, this is <clears throat> this is one of the most powerful God stories that I have of how I got my club. I was working at Metro PCS. Big shout out to Metro PCS. So, uh, <laughs> I was working there because uh, if it wasn't for them, my blessing wouldn't have came. Say that, man. So I got fired from this job three times. What? How you get fired three times? Man? Three times. I got fired the first time. I'm going to try to keep him real brief under a minute. The first time I got fired, uh, it was on, every time you work for Metro PCS, it's usually only two people that works in the store, always. So, because they don't hire a gang of people. So you, it's you, so every night we had to count down the cell phones. And I don't fool with iPhones. And um, my coworker did, and he loved iPhones. So I knew that he stole this phone. I knew it. So I, I said, man, I, and I told him, I said, man, listen, we the only two that's in this store that can count these phones. I know I didn't take this iPhone. So what I'm going to need you to do is return the iPhone by in the morning. Well, I'm telling. So <laughs> I said, I'm telling. I'm going to try to keep my job. So he the next morning he came in like wasn't nothing wrong. I was like, okay. So I go outside, call my boss. I'm like, listen, man, it's an iPhone missing. I didn't take it. I said, listen to the key words I'm telling you. I did not take it. So you need to come up here and get this resolved. So he come up there, he called the boss over him, and he was like, if the phone isn't returned, we gotta fire both of y'all. What? So I was like, what? I told her in a meeting with the dude. I'm right. like, I told you that he took it. Right. Like, and he was like, yeah, man, we still going to have to let both of y'all go. So I leave. I'm upset. And I do a comedy show at a hair show. And one of the ladies that was there, she worked at another Metro PCS. And she was like, um, she had a Metro shirt on. I said, I used to work for Metro. And she was like, for real? Um, she was like, I need somebody in my store. I was like, what? And she was like, Nate, you going to work out? I'm like, yeah. They get me hired. Now I go over here. I'm working about a year, trained under this girl. Now this girl's stealing money. So in our register, we're supposed to have a certain amount of cash. So every morning you go in there, you count your cash, and you make sure that amount's in there to have your day. 
So I go in there, ain't nothing in the register but a $5 bill. Now, we supposed to have some cash, coins. I'm talking about this girl don't took the coins. What? I called my boss. I said, listen, I'm not finna touch nothing, but I need you to come up here. She said, what's going on? I said, if you don't come up here, I'm not finna open this door. My boss shoots up there. She gets there. What's going on, Nate? I don't drove over here. I said, I just need you to go look at that register and tell me what's wrong. She go look at it, and she was like, where the money? I said, that's what I'm saying. So called a girl up there. They fired her and kept me on. So now the girl is threatening me. Like, oh, this. I'm like, so we fast forward six months after that, a lady comes in, can't pay her phone bill. And I said, some just put it on my heart. I said, listen, I'm going to take care of it. She was like, I, I think I left my wallet on the bus. I said, listen, I'm going to pay your phone bill. It was $60. I said, I'm going to pay it. Just go ahead. Have your nice day. She leaves. Another one, we hired a new manager. So she comes in, checked the register, said, oh, the register's uh, $60 short. She come in probably about two hours after that. And I said, oh, yeah, you know what? I paid this lady bill. Let me uh, give you the money now. She thought I stole the money. What? So... <clears throat> Fast forward two weeks, well, rewind, two weeks before that, a lady comes in, and I'm telling the story about how I want to open my own business. These are my last two customers of the day. Now, this is where God steps in. Uh, uh, God was like, I need to get me and my wife a phone. I said, okay, yeah, I'm my last two customers. I activate your phone. I'm activating his phone, getting his price. He pulls out maybe $3,000 cash. I said, man, if you don't mind what you do, he said, man, I'm into construction. I was like, oh, okay. He said, what is it that you want to do, young man? I said, man, I always wanted to open my own comedy club. He said, oh, okay. Well, whenever you get it up, let me know, and I'll come do some construction for you. I was like, okay. Lady gets up. She said, I hear your story. God told me to bless you with $10,000 to open your own business. Mm. I said, ah, oh, he ain't tell you that. What, what kind of phone you want? Like, what you getting? Because don't nobody just walk up to you and give you $10,000. So I'm like, you know, no, nah, I'm not going to take the money. She comes back a week later and said, because you was disobedient. I'm thinking something wrong. Wow. She was like, because you was disobedient, God told me to give you five. I said, maybe you need to talk to my mom. So I called my mom, work it out. If it weren't for that lady, I wouldn't have had my comedy club. Wow. She gave me the money, everything I needed, up to $5,000 to get my building. So ever since then, we've had it. And that's the power of God. And two weeks after that, that's when the situation happened with the phone bill and I got fired. So I got fired. I went home. I called my mom. I said, Mom, I can't believe I got fired again. I said, again? I said, you need to focus on your club. Don't worry about nothing else. So it's been building, developing. For three years, I've never punched another clock. Man. <clears throat> I've made money. God has blessed me. Because uh, God will put the gifts in you that will supply you with all you need. So my stand-up became my power, my gift. It became everything. So um, that's how I got it, man. That's a testimony. Mm -hmm. That's a test. That's deep, man. God is good, brother. So let me let me ask you this, man. What uh, what words of encouragement would will you give to the aspiring comedians, man, trying to get their foot in the door? I would tell them one thing, understand, try to understand first if you're called to do what you're doing. Not just doing it just because. I want it for the fame or the money. Don't do it for that. Understand if God called you to do it, then it's going gonna, it's gonna to feel way better. It's going to be real. Second, if this is something you feel like you're called to do, then you got to get stage time. And don't be afraid of people critiquing you and those are the three things you got to understand if you're called to do something because a lot of people do it for the fame oh this is what I'm going to do and this and that and it never happens but like you got to be called to do something that's why I don't worry about not getting on big shows and stuff like that you able to distinguish distinguish the young comedians that have been called or the ones that's just doing it for the fame can you see it oh yeah you can definitely see it. it it'll be the way they talk like again what's from the heart you 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 gonna know, cause their their conversations and the way that they speak, the way that they move is way different. They they want the popularity. They want the 
the fame of I already made it and this, 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 and my fans and no. Mm -mm. You just gotta you be around it long enough, you know. So when they come through there, I know. Because some guy, he, he came into the club, he was a comedian, and I'm the bartender. He didn't even know who I was. Really? He at the bar, yeah, man, I did this, 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 and this. I'm like, oh, okay. Want to drink this, 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 and this. And and he just, I mean, he's laying it on thick. Like, I've done this. and I'm like, mm-hmm, okay. Right. He didn't even know me. And then he's heard of me, but he didn't know me personally. So that night I performed, and... The host came over to the bar. He said, Nate, you ready to go up? And I was like, yeah. So the comedian was like, you Nate Williams? And I was like, yeah. He was like, oh, you own this too, right? And I was like, yeah. Like, oh, man, my, you know, my bad. Like, no, you, you showed me the real you. Right. And I went on stage performing. Right. Got down. He, he spent like 30 minutes trying to apologize. I was like, bro, I'm good. So you know, man, it's, it sticks out like a sore thumb. Wow. Wow. Mm -hmm. That's crazy. Mess, I know you said that uh, nothing, no upcoming events that you you want to mention. I know you said something big coming in October. Something we gonna, big. We gonna, we gonna when when are you dropping this interview? Man, so we, we drop one every Wednesday. Okay. I'm not exactly sure when this one going to drop, but yeah, it'll be okay. before October. Should be. Okay. Mm -hmm. So I'm telling y'all, listen, when you see this video, we should be either a week away or a couple weeks away from making a big announcement. Um. Pay attention to my page. Uh, we're going to go live on my Facebook page under uh, Nate Williams. Um, it's going to be probably like a midweek, like Tuesday or Wednesday. And uh, when we get it started, man, I'm telling you this announcement, no other local comedian has done what I'm about to do. This is uh, another history milestone for me. And, uh, man, it's going to be great. So I can't wait for y'all to see it. Hey, y'all stay tuned. Please stay tuned. For sure. Nate, how can you be reached, man? What's the contact information? Uh, you can reach me on uh, Instagram, Comedian Nate Williams. Uh, Facebook, Nate Williams. Um, I got Twitter, but I don't know what it is. I don't even check it. <laughs> I'm, trying to get, I'm trying to get hip to Snapchat, and I ain't even got that. So, And TikTok is taking off now, so, man... Instagram, Comedian Nate Williams, Facebook, Nate Williams. And if I got too many friends, just inbox me on Facebook and I'll delete somebody. <laughs> I tell people that all the time. I love new followers. I will delete people quick. Straight up. Make room for you. I will make room for you. Yeah, the old ones taking up space. They probably ain't even, they ain't even supporting. They ain't even supporting. <clears throat> they end so the I go through them quick and be like, oh, remove, remove. I remove 10 people quick. So. That, now, that's real. Mm -hmm. That's real. Hey, man, we appreciate you for taking time out your busy day, man. No problem, man. I'm finna go eat, brother. I'm starving. You hear me? For sure, for sure, man. Hey, man. Good luck on all your future endeavors, man. Oh, you too, man. Three, six, five, 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 five,